Want to know more about cryptocurrency? Well, you're in the right place. This is Crypto Unplugged. A fact-based, straight-talking, no-nonsense look into the world of cryptocurrency. We discuss trading strategies and market advice, review up-and-coming projects, and more. And we've got years of experience and knowledge that can help new and seasoned investors become more confident and comfortable navigating the cryptocurrency landscape. Now, let's get to the podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Crypto. Welcome, listeners, to another special Crypto Unplugged podcast. Doc here, and as usual, I'm joined by Oz. Oz, what's happening? Yeah, I'm going uh, great, Doc. Uh, just uh, looking at the market, seeing how Bitcoin's doing. Hopefully, you know, crypto will pick up again in the next few months. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's been great. What about you? Yeah, things are going well on my side. Um, you know, we recorded a podcast yesterday that's probably going out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, like you were mentioning in yesterday's podcast, we've been seeing a lot of each other, like, you know, face to face. Yeah. Too um, much. Yeah, too much. So, you know, it, it, it can get a bit too much, but, you know, that's that's how it is. But uh, today, listeners, uh, we are pleased to welcome back on our podcast for the second time, Sam Al-Amin, who we had last, uh, you know, we had last joined us on our podcast in late September um, with the episode going out in November. And Sam last came on Crypto Unplugged as a CEO of Kylie Network, but has now or since moved on to establish a new project, which is called Imbue Network. Sam, how are you doing? I'm very good. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is all ours, Sam. And, um, you know, we we're just talking off off uh, before we started recording that the weather is extremely cold in uh, in London. And uh, <laughs> yeah, how are you keeping yourself warm anyway? Have you got like two or three jumpers on? Yeah, pretty much. I've got an indoor <laughs> coat. Indoor coat, yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, now, Sam, I want to um, ask you a quick question. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I've got no. weird, weird questions, so just bear with me. Go for it. Uh, are you a double sock man or single sock man in the winter? It's single. Yeah, I, unfortunately, single. Who the hell is a who the hell is a double sock man? <laughs> what yeah, what yeah, kind I'm of question is that? I haven't been upgraded yet. Haven't been upgraded. No, so you never worn double socks, Oz. Doc, you know what? You know, the more I hang around with you, the more I realize how strange you are. Yeah. I've never wore double socks in my in my life. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So it's probably. Oh, no, I'll tell you what, Doc. I'll, 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 I, I did wear double socks once when I went. Uh, I think it was ice skating. Oh, I was right. getting. Uh, I was yeah. yeah ex- that, that's 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 understandable. But Doc probably wears them in the heat where we are right in the Middle East of uh, thirty-five degrees. No, you, no, you're wearing double socks right now. I don't know. Now, Sam, let me ask you because I think we went to the same uni. You went to Leeds University, didn't you? I did, yeah. Okay, no double socks there. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry, no. No, all right. Okay, anyway, so Sam, look, um, you know, since you were last on Crypto Unplugged, um, you were promoted mm-hmm. to a new position at Kylie Network, okay? Correct, and, yes. And, you know, you were the CEO, um, but since then you've established yeah. and founded and are currently developing a new project, Imbue Network, yeah? Yeah. Yes, so please correct. let us know, uh, Sam, what was the thinking process uh, behind deciding to move away from Kylin uh, network and set up something new. Yeah, of course. So I joined, uh, I joined Kylin in, in around May, right? So that's maybe two, three months after they launched um, because I was really excited about data. Right. And uh, I've, I was really excited about what Kylin's potential, what they could do. And, and we did a lot 
in those six months. Uh, you know, we got accepted into the builders program, finished a milestone. We, and as soon as I joined, I was, we need to go into Kusama. I looked at what was happening in, in the space. I mean, the best projects in, in the space were on Kusama. I'm talking about Mubi and Kala and Asta, the number one projects, but yeah, tier one or blue chip. And I said, we got to do this. And, and there was a lot of pushback about, uh, you know, why do we need to go to Kusama? I've always, the message has always been, um, uh, you know, go dot first. But I said, you know, this, this is the standard. And I, I had fears. I had concerns that when we launch an auction, we won't be able to win. And unfortunately, we, we that was reflected with the, with, uh, <coughs> with the Kusama launch. But ultimately, I think the, the main reason I left Kylin is because I was blessed with a new daughter uh, around uh, August. Sir. Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, I was doing crazy hours, basically, and uh, a lot of the times dealing with very frustrated community members uh, uh, around token price, right? And I was like, well, I have no control over that. Why well, can just yeah. deliver? <laughs> so I was really proud of myself for 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 taking it all the way to Kusama, right? Before yeah. I joined, there was no such thing as a Kusama launch, and, and I literally got them there through through uh, just sheer will right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and thankfully the team the team uh, the tech team definitely supported me there um so i decided to take a break um uh, from from just crypto in general and focus on family because uh i was <coughs> i was not doing it very well i was i wasn't able to multitask unfortunately no we're not very uh, good at that yeah know, I, I understand that because docs uh, i've ever take um ownership of him he's like my family now <laughs> Yeah. So I understand, you know, taking care of family can be a tough, yeah, tough thing. Absolutely. So um I think uh throughout my when I first jumped into the Web3 bandwagon really, I think my biggest frustration or my biggest criticism of Web3 was lack of utility. I was I was just not convinced that you what what would you do with your Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? That was my criticism coming into the space. Yeah. And I, I started understanding what the utility is, but my frustration then became accountability, lack of accountability. I look at so many projects in the space that are launching um, a token based on an idea, based on a white paper with no functionality, with no utility, nothing. And unfortunately, we see it in this in this space so much where you 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 oversell this this white paper and there's just nothing behind it the, the people the people who are reading these white papers are people who are actually buying into this token unfortunately yeah. more often than not lack the technical expertise to look at a white paper and realize this actually doesn't make technical sense it's it's not feasible right so what i wanted and and that's why we're seeing so many scams right yeah the web yeah got, exactly like after building on it i realized that from a technical perspective, even though you know the blockchain and 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 and, and Web three is innovative, the builders, the people building on it, right, existing spaces. I'm not talking about the infrastructure projects, but like the 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 tokens that, or the D apps being built on them, are not being built very well, right? Okay. There, there's a lack of maturity. There's a lack of um, uh, 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 software engineering best practices. All the things that are really well defined in the Web two space. Right, even the smallest startup will have them. I'm talking about tests, immutable infrastructure, dashboards, um, uh, you know, different staging environments. You don't see that, right? You don't see it in the in the Web three space, mostly because people are trying to get 
you know their the code up and running as quickly as possible, release a token and raise funds. Mm. Yeah. So there's lack of accountability in this space, and I, I want to fix that. I just I don't think, you know, put it this way, right? If I go to my bank and say, look, here's a picture of a really beautiful idea, because that's what a white paper is sometimes a really well thought out idea, but it's just pictures and text. And I go to yeah. the bank and say, give me ten million dollars. You know, I'll be laughed out of the bank. Absolutely. But unfortunately, in the Web3 space, that's where we are. Yeah. Right? There is no guarantee that people are going to fight. And I don't think that's sustainable. And that's kind of what led me to imbue. And we decided to build things in a very, very different and unique way because we're not doing any funding, right? We're not doing private sales. We're not doing seed sales. We're not doing angels. And those, more often than not, if you look through the existing projects that launched over the past 18 months, the dumps that are happening on the community, being the, the community that get hurt the most, are getting yeah. hurt by the VCs. By the by the and I'm not saying all VCs do, but the data suggests a lot of them are, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not me saying it. I'm just looking at the No, it's just a reality. On, 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 yeah. So I'm just I wanna build something. I want to set the standard of you can absolutely build a working product before funding. And then one, you do, when you do it that way, you one, you're able to raise far more favor, favorable terms. You're able to say, look, I've got a working product. Go look at it. Does it add value? And if it does, I can get more favorable terms. And two, it's your community you're protecting. All the projects in the space are saying communities should be are our most important asset. But unfortunately, from where I stand, it doesn't seem that the actions reflect the words um, and yeah, I just think it's not sustainable and we, we will absolutely build something better. Yeah, uh, Sam, you know, uh, sorry, Oz, just before um, you ask your question, you know, interesting, I'm looking at, um, you know, the MBU uh, Network website and, of course, mm-hmm. there's a very interesting article here and uh, listeners mm-hmm. will have these links um, to MBU Network website and you can uh, look at this uh, in the show notes in our podcast when it's mm-hmm. released. But um, the article, you know, that 92% of the problem in crypto, you know, and you're yeah. discussing this issue related to certain categories that, you know, um, 80% of the yeah. ICOs are scams and some of them yeah. have failed and some of them have gone yeah. dead because of, uh, yeah. you know, after fun- funding. And, you know, this this obviously yes. ties in because you're talking about it from a technical perspective as well, that white yes. paper, although the white paper is all fancy, you know, for the person who is a lame, per, uh, not lame, I should layman say, terms, layman, yeah. yeah, layman yeah. terms, yeah, it can be slightly yeah, confusing, fine. yeah. Um, um, but from from someone who's in a technical field, that you can see babies basically discrepancies in the actual technology, yes, and also, yeah, you know, talking about the analogy that you gave, that someone going to the bank and asking uh, for funding based upon an idea, so you essentially identified yeah. that there is, you know, even before discussing what Imbu is about, a problem in the crypto space in itself. Yes, yes, mm. absolutely. And I think, I think, if when you look at engineers, like experienced engineers who talk about this space, yeah. So, so yeah. So we we did some some research into trying to understand, you know, whether or not this is a problem. Funding in crypto isn't a problem, right? So we're a crowdfunding platform and funding itself is a problem. There's a lot of money in, in, in the crypto space. Definitely, the problem yeah. is funding from the right people and to the right people, right? So you look at projects that, that raise millions and you're like, okay, fine. But you raise millions based on what? 
Did you raise millions on an idea or did you raise millions off a proof of concept or a minimal viable product or something that people can use, right? Where's the value here, right? And it's fine if you, 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 you say we're going to build something, right? We're going to build something. That's okay as long as you go ahead and build it and there's accountability in the event that you can't. When you have a space that has zero accountability, it becomes rife with scams. It becomes a place where people promise the world and then disappear, right? Exactly. And seeing yeah. that, we are seeing that so many, so many projects in this space just promise and then dump, whether they rug pull or whether it's a soft rug pull, whether they eventually dump and move on to other projects. We need accountability and transparency. And as someone who is building in this space, I'm working to set the standard of what accountability looks like and what transparency look like, right? So, so at Imbue, for example, we've decided we're not doing any funding, we're zero funding at all, right? No one can come into our group and say this project is a scam because we're saying we're not asking for funds until we deliver something, right? Yeah, no, exactly. No one is invested. There are no secret sales. There are no secret private sales. There's no secret seed sales. No sale has been made at all, right? until working product and working product is defined as something that you have the your blockchain working right your collator code your parachain running because we're polka dot based right so yep. we're not we're not doing an erc20 token right to mm. boost liquidity no it's going to be a substrate native token until you're able to hit a test net and use that token know exactly what it's used for how to use it what value you will get when you buy the token from day one, that's only then do we say, okay, you know what? Now we can go for funding, right? When people can understand exactly what they're buying and how they're going to use it from day one, not day 365, from day one. And to add to that transparency uh, narrative, we've got a public board. All the best practices, everyone in the team, it comes from experienced backgrounds. We've got about 65 to 70 years of development experience in the team, right? Combined experience. And this is in the Web2 space. We know how to deliver projects. We know how to um, ensure we write sustainable and manageable code, right? Maintainable in production so it doesn't just die out. We're not trying to write the smallest thing possible to raise funds. No, we're going to try and write something that is absolutely robust. You're able to, we're working off an agile board, right? You can go look, if you just Google IT projects, more often than not, I think top five results, you'll get agile. What agile is, is basically incremental changes, week by yep. week, two weeks, a month. It doesn't matter the, the definition of the sprint or definition of the duration of a period of work. You just have to do it incrementally so you're able to make changes. And when you work in an agile way, you have a public board where people can see progress so they can identify when something is running late or what's planned for the next few weeks or next few months. That's how, that's how IT projects are run. What we're doing at Imbue is we're, we're running that way, but we're making that board visible to everyone, right? Every single person in our community can see not only who the dev, devs are, so we're not just doxing our devs, but what they're working on and their progress. That level of transparency is just non-existent in our web in the web three space. At least from my side, I don't see it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I understand. And being in uh, myself, being in crypto since uh, you know years now, even in two thousand eighteen, I remember investing in uh, you know projects such as I remember Zebi Credits, um, Car Vertical, all of these before they even had a working product, and all of 
you know all of and I lost money on uh, quite a lot yeah. of them because because obviously going forward if you if you if even if you try to go into coin gecko coin market cap and put those they're, they're dead they're they zero exist. liquid yeah. they, don't, they don't exist and you know I remember back in the days people saying you know credits is going to be the next super blockchains fast speeds and all that sort of stuff and you know no, no, you're right and um just going on to my question, and you did uh, mention it. You touched on it in the in the, in the first in uh, in your answer to Doc in the first question. Mm-hmm. But you 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 explained some of the uh, venture capitalists, capitalists and mm-hmm. um, why do you think they? Not all of them. Some are good. We're not saying they're all bad. Some are good, and mm-hmm. some you know have a positive impact. But why do you think some of them are you know do have a bad name and having a negative impact on the space? Because I have read, I have read on Twitter, and and some people are actually yeah. d- digging deep into these uh, venture yes. capitalists. That yeah, they're yeah. dumping on, you know. So, why do you think they? What do you? Th- what's your opinion on them? And why so, have you gone down? Yeah, like you said, why have you gone down the route of, you know, working product first and yeah. no so, private sales and stuff? So yeah. So our goal at Imbue is to decentralize VC, the VCs, right? Not all yep. products have fund only a funding problem. VCs are meant to help you deliver a product and go to uh, go to market, right? Help you to actually take your project to the next level. Now, in, tradi- in the traditional Web2 space, VCs get involved and they only exit more often than not is when you go to IPO. And what IPO is, is you've already got a working product, you've had customers for years, right? And you're delivering value. In the Web3 yep. space, that's been flipped upside down. <laughs> it's now, the opposite. <laughs> an IDO or a, an IDO or a, uh, or before that, an ICO was literally, hey, we've got an idea, we're going to mint these tokens so you can buy it. So then VCs have a very quick exit strategy, right? They buy a token at a hundredth of the price. So I, I'll buy something for you know less than one cent or a of a cent. I give yep. you two, three million. I do it for 10 projects. And if only one of them launches, bear in mind they're launching without utility. They're launching without anything. If one of them launches, I make my money back and I already cover my expenses for the others. Right. So that's why you're seeing, I'm not saying all VCs are like that, but unfortunately the data, the data, and I'm not saying that, Sam's not saying that, but the data of the unlocks is suggesting that at every single unlock, the vested unlocks that were brought in to protect the community, they're just dumping. And they're dumping because they would be like, you know what, I'll just sell my token down maybe to buy at a future date or to flip and move on to put it in another project. Now, if they buy at a later date, then the data would reflect that, right? You will see massive buy spikes, but that's not what's happening, right? And, yeah. and I, I think we as an ecosystem can absolutely do better because a typical project, what they'll do is, okay, they'll have 100% of the supply and then say, we'll give 5 or 8% to angel investors, we'll give 10% to private investors and then give another 10% to seed investors. Automatically, that's 30% gone, right? Or close to 30% gone to just yep. investors. That's before you go to the public. And then when you go to the public, you go with 1% or 2% because you can't afford to give any further, right? You can't afford to to go and, and, and give 5 or 6 or 7 or 8% because otherwise the network itself doesn't have a lot. You don't have enough for rewards. You don't have enough for yes. yeah. treasury. So, so when you have such a massive allocation given to investors, you then you go to the public. Your community is your public, who were supposed to support you and believe in you the most. They get the least amount of allocation because they can then buy it off the VCs and the private and seed cell investors 
poor old lady hundred times up. I just think that in itself is a problem. And if we're saying if we're saying communities are the most important, then not only should our allocation reflect that, but we as founders should take the risk. Take the risk and build something, right? If you do, if you don't have the technical expertise to build it, okay, fair enough. But take a risk yourself to actually build something without take putting all the risk. At the moment, all the risk is being taken by the community and to a lesser extent the investors, right? Because so yeah, so Sam, what would you say? What, what would you say uh, to like projects that say, look, we need the funding. Um, we can't do the project without example some funding from these angels you know VCs, yeah, that's fine. investors um so how would you come across that so if they say look we need this funding or we can't even get our project off the ground yeah yeah, yeah. That's, uh, a, that's a fair point that's a fair point and that's why we're building in view we need to give people an alternative for a very long time there was no alternative apart from launching potentially an ETH token or a erc20 token or going to these vcs there was no alternative we, yeah exactly i'm saying to them look it doesn't matter how much you want to raise you want to raise 10 million, you want to raise 5 million, you just have to define how much you want to raise and the milestones, which will de- which will define your progress, right? So I want 10 million, I want, uh, let's say, 100,000 up front or 10,000 10, up front or a million up front. It doesn't matter. I plan. And that's what you're supposed to do when you ask for funding. You plan how you're going to use those funds that, that you can be like, so you... Uh, Oz, you can be like, you know what? I want a hundred thousand to set up a shop, right? And we're not talking about crypto. You actually going to go open up a shop and you're going to sell some clothes or some shoes, right? Yeah. And you say a hundred thousand because I'm going to take, I'm take, uh, taking all this Web three money and I'm actually going to change someone's life with it. Someone who doesn't really care about Web three. You Oz, yeah. let's say you don't care about Web three. You just want to open up a shop, right? And sell some shoes. You want a hundred thousand. You want ten thousand to, you know, uh, set up a website, right? Or get a lease on a on a, a on a property, right? Or at least to for your store, right? So then that's a milestone, and then you submit that milestone, and then your funders who give have given you the hundred thousand just say, okay, do you think Oz has actually done what he said he's going to do? And if you're able to convince the majority of your funders or your contributors, they vote. That's where democracy comes in. That's where the DAO element comes in. If your funders, the people who have money at stake, they vote on your progress. You have to convince them with actual work whether or not you've delivered what you promised you're going to deliver. And then they vote. You say yes, you get those funds unlocked. If they say no, you get feedback as to why it's a no. Right. And then what you're basically saying is just like with doing this, you what you're what DeFi is trying to do to traditional finance, right? Decentralize the trust in these central organizations. We're trying to do with VCs. Get get more of your supply to your community and yourself. You keep more of the supply. And that only works when your underlying problem is funding. Now, some VCs might say, okay, by the way, we're going to open up a few doors for you or get you in touch with the right people. And that's fine. That's when you're, you're going for VCs for the value add apart from funding. But if it's purely from a funding perspective, then you don't have to give them such absurd terms, That's what's, which is what's happening in our space right now. Yeah, definitely. 100% agree with you. I think the VCs at the moment, they're dominating the yeah. the majority of the of the, of the to- uh, you know of the tokens and then i can see it myself i've seen so many projects um, yeah. i won't name any of the but i've seen so many projects where 
yeah. you know, they, they've dumped 50%, 60%, 70%, up to, you know, and, and, and the retail just get affected the most. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's, it's not a good space to be in. And then people, oh, oh, then, then you get the, the, that's why you get crypto is scam, you know, crypto is a scam. This is, yeah. this is a scam. And that's the kind of reputation we actually don't really need. Yeah, but yeah exactly. No, 100%. It's not a sustainable way. It's not a sustainable way of building at all. We need a safer way for people, for new entrants, for people coming into this space to fund projects. And that's what we're building, right? No, Trying to not directly not. answer yep. the lack of utility question. Someone asked me, hey, what are you going to do with your Ethereum or your Bitcoin or your Polkadot? I was like, I'm going to fund this, but I'm going to fund Oz so he can open up a shop where he is. And that changes his life. Right. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. I understand your point. And it's it's uh, you can fund me. I'll be more than happy to take your funds. I'm sure you would. <laughs> but no. No. It's a, it's a it's a unique concept to be. And I think this concept, um, you know, just explaining. You know, I will go into more detail. But explaining the 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 impact that this will have on the crypto, yeah. I think ecosystem. I think it would be it could be very positive. Yes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, before going on to discuss, it will ask you a question about, you know, exactly what decentralized venture capital is, uh, Sam. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, this is an interesting discussion. Uh, perhaps maybe we can possibly discuss this in a future podcast episode, you know, just, you know, talking about this concept of tech versus gains, because you see it, there's a potential moral dilemma or dichotomy, you know, yes. or people exploit, yes. you know, venture capitalists, like you're saying, exploit, uh, you, you know, exploiting or, you're providing lip service towards the community. We're not talking about every uh, VC or organization yeah. or what have you, but naturally, you know, the tech versus the gains monetary benefit, you know, rather than development towards Web3, for example, is is yeah. an interesting one. But, you know, um, you know, uh, just listeners, just explaining something, because before um, Sam came on uh, and before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, being transparent here. So perhaps, Sam, you can discuss you know, what is the actual process of actually developing uh, technology in the crypto space? You spoke about, you know, uh, Imbue trying to create or attempting or actually going on the path of uh, developing a native substrate-based uh, project and token. Yeah. What is the process of a an idea? You know, basic, basically give an inside of you. You know, you have an idea. You want to uh, yeah. create a project from a technical perspective. And obviously, yes. congratulations on receiving a web-free grant as well, which is different maybe yeah. to explain. Uh, you yes, know, receiving absolutely. a web-free grant to venture capitalists, creating the product, and then seeking community funds to help yes. develop the project even more. So maybe yes. people say... That's correct. Yeah, a, a timeline. I mean, how, how does it work, if you can summarize? So, okay. So, so if you're coming up with a new idea, right, and you're like, okay, you know what, I can launch this. It doesn't even have to be crypto related but just for the purpose of this call let's assume i'm coming up with a new token right yeah if it's polka dot based you can go and approach the web3 foundation with them right now the web3 foundation goes through a tremendous amount of due diligence uh, into the uh, who the who the founder is who which what what the team looks like what their credibility is their credentials their their experience can they actually the ability to execute can they actually deliver on this thing and then after they verify or the, the, the credentials of the people applying, that's when they look at the idea. Does it add value? Does it actually help anyone? Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of due diligence being put in place with the Web3 Foundation to ensure right, this idea actually helps. Now, receiving a grant doesn't mean alone, doesn't mean you've actually did anything. So previously, what has happened is a lot of people, a lot of projects in this space, 
uh, and I'm not saying this, this is the Web3 Foundation saying this, right? So you can just yeah. go Google it. But, yeah. but the Web3 Foundation noticed a lot of projects would apply for a grant, get acceptance, and then start raising funds based on buying people's trust with the Web3 Foundation's approval. So it's like a badge, right, so isn't it? That you're, uh, exactly. You know, it is a badge. It yeah. literally is a badge. Hmm. You put a badge on your website to say, look, I've been supported by the Web3 Foundation, so you can trust me that I'm going to be able to deliver. Yeah. Because of this, the Web3 Foundation then changed their process to say you're only allowed to announce that you received this badge after you complete your first milestone after you successfully deliver some progress, right? So when you've actually demonstrated your your commitment by doing work and finishing your milestone and having them evaluate your milestone, that's when you can announce your grant, right? Doing, doing it before you actually do work, you put yourself at risk of that grant being removed from you. Right. And you also don't get funding until you actually deliver on something. Right. Yeah. So it's very similar to the imbue process. Um, but yeah, there is a problem with people submitting ideas and, t- and, and, and receiving a grant, but then announcing it before actually doing any work. And the Web3 Foundation recognizes that and hence why they changed their, their terms. Yeah, interesting. Because, you know, when we're talking about, like, you know, specifically about um, Polkadot ecosystem, Kusama ecosystem. And I remember, you know, uh, looking into this, uh, you know, the the number of teams that are developing on Polkadot or Kusama ecosystem, you know, this number can be slightly exaggerated in terms of what exactly a team is. So, you know, you say, for example, there's 300 teams developing on Polkadot. They're all uh, vying for a power chain. But a team could yeah. basically just mean me and Oz sitting in an office, you know, working yes. on some code. So it's quite, yeah. when you say it's slightly deceptive um, to people. It is. It is. It is. Elaborate on that, please, way, Sam. Yeah. The best way. So, okay. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the, the articles that have been released about trying to identify the number of devs, or not just teams, devs, yeah. um, working on with Substrate, as in Rust and Substrate. Mm. What they do is they go and they scour GitHub, which is like this repository where code is hosted online, right? And they look at trying to identify the unique number of uh, accounts that submit or write code or commits it to pub. And they're just public, right? There could be teams that 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 write and, and commit code to GitHub that's private, but they're not really being accounted for. Now, an account could mean one person, but one person can have multiple accounts, right? I can have three or four GitHub accounts and I can be writing to four or five different repositories with these four or five different accounts. But again, it's just one developer, right? So that's why it could be misleading, but they're trying their best to identify unique accounts. And then from that, extrapolate that maybe we we believe that as an estimate, there's like four or 500 different accounts writing onto Substrate or um, uh, building on Polkadot because they, they're writing with the Substrate framework. So, you know, the, so just as a question, you know, the, the, in your opinion, what's the, um, what would be the best way for a retailer, a retail investor to find out 
which projects are actually active on GitHub and, you know, uh, yeah, just go in. Look, the, just, the, the, yeah. the, the best way to identify whether a project is real or it's vaporware is to go into GitHub and look at their updates and trying to understand. That's how you, that's how I personally, as an engineer would do, yeah. do this. I don't trust anything on a website. Anything. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the problem, right? That is the problem in our space. White papers and uh, and websites prof- promising the world, but there's nothing to show for them. And ultimately, it's the code. So any any project that tells me, sorry, we're keeping our code private, right? That's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you're keeping your code private, that I want to see a working product. So would you? Would yes. you, say, if you don't have a working product and you don't have code. It's very hard for me to 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 believe in this project because that's extreme uh, lack of transparency. That's just a pure gamble. You're just gambling there. Yeah. If yeah, you, you know, exactly. if you're going. No, it's in- interesting there. You know, to, you're talking about code, and um, you know, from this perspective, that anybody leads to from you know checking because it's something that we discussed in a podcast yesterday about you know mm-hmm. doing due diligence to checking a project project if it's worth actually investing in from a fundamental analysis perspective and looking at project metrics and code github and things like this you know and talking about actually a code being public where you know uh, retail could go in or you know the layman can go in who's actually interested in in, uh, investing in crypto you know looking at github and the development side would you say that in your opinion sam that anonymity Mm -hmm. uh, for teams is also an issue as well so okay so um a lot of projects in this space, and it's to do with the lack of maturity in the in the space, right? Yeah. So let me just, I, I find I'm someone who really prides myself on both transparency and my work, hmm. right? But if I'm a dev who have struggled to find a job, right, or someone who doesn't necessarily have a really well-paid job in Web2 world, even if I have a web, well-paid job in, in the Web2 world, and I go as an anonymous dev, and then suddenly I have access to, through, through these smart contracts to millions of dollars. And I know that I'm anonymous and it's the, the founders or the team that, that has their faces on it. I'm, I'm going to be lying to you, Oz, to say if I, I wouldn't have a temptation to drain that contract because there's no. millions of dollars right in front of me. Yeah, it's, a, exactly. it's a lottery ticket. Right, I'm never going to be achieve this level of 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 uh, funding. So people are like, "It's okay, our teams are doxed." So then you are able to know exactly who they are. That in itself, to me, is not acceptable. That's not accountability. That's just a band aid. But it doesn't actually tell you that if I decide to misuse the funds you give me to build something, where's the accountability there? Where is the assurance, not insurance, the assurance that I will actually use the funds you gave me to do what I promised I will use these funds for, right? And having a public team is just a band-aid. It's not an answer to that underlying problem. So when you ask me, do you think it's a problem that the devs are anonymous? It is, but not to the level that people seem to think. I will now trust this team because their devs are known or their team is known. No, that's not, that's not a solution. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it yeah, does. No, absolutely. Um, so, um, you want us? Do you want 
no, I was just going to ask. Uh, just I know uh, Sam, you went through imbu um, on, on a general step, but can you explain to our listeners, like step by step, what imbu? You know, um, how would, for example, a project come come in? How would they use imbu? And yeah. you know, gu- guide them step by step through the whole process yeah. from the start till you know product release or you know anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So what we're doing now is uh, so what we've done so far is we've done the blockchain part. But if we take a few steps back and saying, okay, why would you use Imbue? It's to fund real projects that are trying to solve a problem, right? And you're trying, you're giving them a platform where they're able to raise more from their community without the need to go to investors that will just take a, l- a large portion of the supply, yeah. right? So you, Oz, you can have a a project you can have a crypto so you can have you're trying to mint nfts it doesn't matter you want funding to actually fix a problem right and you then define how you're going to use these funds so let's say you want a hundred thousand you you define three milestones you want 10 percent immediately you want 40 percent in milestone one and you want 50 percent in milestone two right yep so you then go against like 10 or 15 or 20 other projects are also require funding. And then the DAO, the, the network holders, they're the ones that look actually, you know what, Oz's project seems to have the best return of interest. Uh, uh, so it has the best ROI, sorry. So the best uh, value to me yep. as an investor. So uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fund his project. It has the best return of investment, sorry, um, to fund his project. So, for example, you can be like, instead of going to seed investors and giving them a price of 0.01 of a token, I'm going to give it to the community at 0.03 per token, right? Which is still lower than than public sale prices that you currently have. But you don't have to know people to get into these whited, uh, gated whitelists, right? You don't have to know the right person. Now, it's open to everyone, right? You're able to raise more, but at the same time from the people who believe in you the most because it's your community. So you Oz, you get funded and bam, the person gives you a hundred thousand, right? But you don't have access to the full hundred thousand. You get access to what you defined you need from the very start. So you said you want 10%, you'll get that 10,000, you get that 10, 10%. 90% is locked until yep. you Oz, you do the work you said you're going to do for that 10,000. You finish your work, you submit a milestone, and then the people who funded you then say, actually, you know what? I think that Oz has achieved what he said he's going to do. So we're going to vote. And then assuming you get a majority vote, the next stage, it gets unlocked. So you get the 40 or 50% next. And then the same process goes on and on. So the protection comes into play because in the event that you can't deliver, something completely out of your hands. That's, uh, projects fail all the time. This is, uh, this is IT. Everything yeah, exactly. So projects fail all the time. So... Let's say in this shop, a force majeure event com- com- comes in and you are the COVID. You're asked by the government to shut your shop indefinitely. Yep. And now you've, your project has failed before you even started. And you're not necessarily a bad actor. Anyone who gave you funds, any contributor who has given you funds, is able to raise a vote of no confidence to say, you know what, I think this project's going to fail because of X, Y, Z reasons or has taken too long. Yeah, Oz said it's going to be done in three months. It's been now six months. Can we raise a vote to see, should we get a remainder of our funds back? So then in the event that this happens, a vote goes through. And if the vote of no confidence passes, 
those 90% of funds go back to the original contributors, thereby protecting their investment. So if you okay. yeah. ask for very little upfront, then it's a very safe investment for people and you will get funded. So just a question on that, Sam. What if this, you know, maybe this will happen or not. So you say I've, I've done what you've said and mm-hmm. I have, and I have, let's say I have complete milestone one, but the mm-hmm. voters, you know, you got some shady voters in there and they yeah. want more money back. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, they've given me a vote of no confidence when I actually yes. have done the work. What, yes. what, what, so how would you protect me in that, in that situation? Yeah, or so good, right good now teams? the majority of the protection is for the investors because that's where the problem, the underlying problem yeah. is. But you, us, you can yeah. define, actually, you want a max, I want a maximum of $100 per person. Or I want a maximum of $1,000 per person for this 100000 thereby diversifying the network. And you limit the 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 influence that one person has. Okay, yeah. yeah. Has, right? So you raise more funds through more people, thereby you it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because now you have to convince more people that you've actually achieved what you're going to achieve, right? But if it's clear, yes. then you, they will. They, people who funded you want a... A return of on their investment exactly the exactly funds yeah. are locked right so um i what i want to do what i really want to do the goal for me for not only this year but the year after is to give an alternative to hodling right now the only alternative to hodling is trading yeah How, risky like, <laughs> risky why don't we use the funds to actually what 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 do the existing wealthy people in the web two space do? They invest in things, whether they invest in businesses or they invest in real estate, but they invest their funds. They don't leave it running in a bank. What are we doing in the web three place? We're leaving it in the bank. Although we are our own bank, we keep it on our wallet, but that's what we're doing. Right? Yep. Let's give people an alternative, even if it's incentivizing. So staking, let's take staking out of the picture. And say, okay, how much do you normally get in staking in, on DOT? 15%? We'll give you 20% or 30%. If you fund projects. So now, right, yep. now you're, the network is incentivizing you to fund projects that will also drive adoption. Because you know that you can get more if you fund people. Not only do you get the return on investment from 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 this from the the project you're funding, but the network itself is incentivizing you. So naturally, you're driving innovation and you're driving adoption in this space. No, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, interesting uh, that you mentioned that. Um, I think there's a similar concept uh, that some of the other projects. Uh, I'm not going to name them, but I'm not sure if for legal perspectives or yeah. you know, but. Um, you know, you heard of this concept, the uh, polemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, would that would you say it's similar to that? No, I've not heard of of polemic. Okay, fair enough. So we we'll leave that on the side for now. Yeah. Okay, listeners. So, um, thanks for joining us for part one. Now, originally we had intended to uh, have Samuel Amin um, in our usual format as a special guest on a special guest episode of Crypto Unplugged. But because um, this interview continued for uh, a lot longer than anticipated and originally planned because of the extreme t- transparency wet that we um, enjoyed our conversation with Sam and Amin from uh, Imbu Network. Um, so we went on for quite a while and uh, we've decided to split up this particular special guest episode into two. Part one, which is the one that you've just listened to, and part two, uh, which will come out uh, soon. 
So thanks a lot for joining myself, um, Oz, and our special guest, Sam Al-Amin. And as usual, listeners, um, follow our podcast, leave great reviews or whatever reviews you want to leave. And uh, do follow us on Twitter and see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Crypto Unplugged. We hope you learned something from this episode. For more information, check us out on Twitter at crypto underscore unplugged. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to like and review us. And thanks again for listening to Crypto Unplugged.